Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again that we can come together to study your word, Lord, to hear from you, Lord, in our context, in this place at this time, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you would bless your word to our ears today. Help it to sink down into our hearts, Lord, that we might grow by it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, we looked at Acts last week at um, the conversion of Saul, who became known as the Apostle Paul. And each week we have also been reading along from Paul's epistles, uh, from Paul's epistle Romans, I should say. Um, and each week I've been torn considering whether I continue pe preaching from Acts or divert to Romans because the readings from Romans have been so captivating. And this week I couldn't help myself. I had to dive into the Romans reading. Um, there is a great and wonderful mystery of God revealed in the 11th chapter of Romans about God, his people Israel, and us, God's Gentile people. And it's about how we are all related. As everyone knows, there is hardly a people on earth who has uh, seemed to have gotten the short end of the stick in history as much as the Hebrew people, and yet they always come back. God would not allow them to be exterminated or assimilated even um, without a homeland for, for hundreds of years because they are his people. And they are still in his plan. But as scripture shows us and tells us, they have been blessed and cursed by God, blessed for following him and cursed for turning away from him. And as Paul says, it got to the point that according, according to their own prophets, God had given them over to a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day, as Paul says. He writes that David, King David, and the, the writer of many Psalms, said, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their backs always. That was his prophetic word about his own people. That was the case for the nation in general, but not the case for every one individual. And it was not forever. God always preserved a remnant who did not turn away from him, who were not in this blind stupor. Those were the prophets. And now, in New Testament times, those were the apostles and those who listened to both the prophets and the apostles. 
Paul, of course, was an apostle, but he had been blind and on the other side too. He had been in this blind stupor and had to meet Jesus in order to be enlightened and to become the apostle he was. Because he was formerly in the blind stupor, he understood the plight of the majority of his people better than anyone else, and he sympathized with them. He wrote in Romans 9, 2-4, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. He wrote in Romans 10, 2-4, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So that had been the case, that had been his case, until Saul met Jesus Christ and realized that, as verse 4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. But Paul explains in this chapter the mystery that even Israel's blindness, which they were cursed with, was for their own good and the good of us Gentiles as well. He wrote, blindness in part has happened to Israel, so all Israel will be saved. Not just a remnant or a small part of them. All Israel. But when and how would that happen? If they were blind to seeing and knowing God, to God's plan and God's will, how would they ever please God and be saved? Well, if you're reading, looking at this passage that I'm preaching from today, you might have noticed that I left some words out of verse 25 and 26 when I read it. It says, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. Well, what does the mystery of Israel's salvation have to do with Gentiles? And what is this fullness of Gentiles? If you remember our gospel reading today, Jesus referred to something like that. What did Jesus say? He said in Luke 21, beginning at verse 23, For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So all of those bad things were to happen to God's people until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And that sounds very similar to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans, doesn't it? Paul said in Romans 11.25, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles 
has come in. And then what happened? Verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved. Again, how? Well, Paul quoting God from Isaiah 59, 20 to 21, tells us how. That says, says the deliverer, the deliverer, will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So a deliverer from Zion, from Israel, will deliver God's people from their sins because he will take their sins away. That God had covenanted covenanted with them unconditionally and how he would do that is very well known to us Christians that deliverer Jesus took our sins and took their sins upon himself on a tree at Calvary he was crucified for our sins and just as our eyes of faith were opened to that fact and we understood that and put our faith in that, so their eyes will be opened someday. When? After the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And when that happens, it will no longer be just a remnant of them, but the whole people of God. Before the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, only a remnant would see and understand Jesus as their Savior and their Deliverer from sin. But after that, every one of them will see and understand, just like Saul, who became Paul, did. And all Israel will be saved. Remember, Paul said this, For this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. That's from 1 Timothy 1.16. Before that, they were generally blind to the gospel and therefore could not see or recognize their deliverer or his method of deliverance because they didn't recognize Jesus, that he was the only sacrifice that could take away their sins. They had looked to their animal sacrifices, and after their temple was destroyed and they could no longer do animal sacrifices, some, like Saul, continued to seek to establish their own righteousness to please God, but they could not, as all our human righteousnesses, as filthy rags to God. When there is no faith in Jesus' sacrifice, there is no pleasing God. They, like us, needed their eyes to be opened to see and believe in Jesus as the satisfying sacrifice. But they could not. They were blinded. Until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. But here's an interesting thing. Jesus said, that all of these terrible things would happen to them and Jerusalem would be trampled by the Gentiles 
until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And Jerusalem and its temple were destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD after the Judean rebellion. And after a second rebellion some decades later, the Jews were forget, forbidden to even access Jerusalem. They were dispersed from that time on. But Jerusalem is no longer trampled, is it? Not today, not by Gentiles anyway. God's people have returned to their land and reconstituted a state in 1948. And they continue to return. In 1967, they took back possession of all of Jerusalem, save the Temple Mount. So it seems from that, like the time of the Gentiles may soon be fulfilled. As a matter of fact, Jesus also said in Luke 21, look at the fig tree, which by the way is a symbol of Israel. And all the trees, when they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, Jesus said, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things, till all things take place. This generation, what generation? What things? As I've told you before, if Israel is represented by the fig tree in Jesus's parable here, and its budding is its becoming a nation again, especially as we see Jerusalem not being trodden anymore by the nation since 1967, then this generation could mean our generation. So you see, there is still much hope for Israel when that time comes and their deliverer returns and opens their eyes and opens their understanding after the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So pray for them. Though they are enemies of God, blinded, they, they find offensive the gospel that says the Son of God has become a human and and, and sacrificed himself for them, thus becoming their deliverer, though they are enemies of that gospel, they are still beloved, Scripture says, for the sake of the fathers. Why? Because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That was verse 29. They are, they are God's people, who he covenanted with not once, but twice. And so the mystery is revealed in verses 30 to 32. Speaking to us Gentiles, Paul writes, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you they may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. 
So that's great news for Jews and Gentiles alike. And to help us understand the whole picture, in chapter 11, Paul goes on and uses an illustration from grafting. I find you have to have some sort of background in either arboriculture or genetics to understand it properly, and I have neither. But it seems that non-producing branches must be cut off because they are wasting nutrients and growing leaves instead of fruit. But in their place, a different variety of branch can be grafted in. A different variety of olives can be grafted into a tree, or grafted from a tree that has poor or, defect, a poor or defective root system, and that branch can can use the good tree's good root system as it is grafted in for, to get the nutrients to produce more fruit, though different. So the Hebrews, he's saying, were selected as God's tree, elected by God because of the faith of their patriarch Abraham and his sons Isaac and Jacob, but from that good stock grew some pretty bad branches that had to be cut off. And that's where we Gentiles come into the, the picture. We who were not even in God's garden and were dead in trespasses and sin, as, as Paul writes, God grace, gracefully made, made alive again and grafted us in. And this grafting is the law of grace, the law of the Spirit, the new covenant in Christ's blood. We Gentiles in the flesh who, as Ephesians 2 say, says, were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that, according to Paul, is only because most of God's people rebelled against him. We Gentiles, who God enlightened to see and desire him, are being grafted in for a time until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Through their fall, Paul wrote, salvation has come to the Gentiles. That's Romans 11, 11. By their branch being cut off, we Gentiles found place to be grafted into the root the root being Jesus. But there's a warning in chapter 11 too. A warning for those of us who are haughty and think that it had something to do with us. And for those of us who presume on God's grace, grace, there's a warning. Paul writes, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, Otherwise, you also will be cut off. So we consider the goodness of God toward us as we thank him. And we consider his severity and try, as we try to do our best to obey him, fearing to presume on his grace. As Gentile, Gentile Christians, I think there's something else to consider. Consider this, when the fullness of the Gentiles 
has come in, and God turns his full attention to his ancient people and visits them again and opens their eyes, then what's going to happen to us Gentiles? It's not over for them. They who do not continue in unbelief will also be grafted in again, as Romans 11.23 says. Those branches that had been cut off will come alive again and be grafted into Jesus just like we have been, purely by faith. That's what's going to happen to them. That's what the prophet, prophetic book of Zechariah is all about, where God says this, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and his and supplication and they will look on me whom they pierced yes they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his own son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn it goes on Zechariah 12 10-13-1 in that day there shall be a great mourning in Israel, like the mourning of Hadad, Rimen, in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn, every family by itself, all the families that remain, every family by itself. In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleansiness. Again, where will that leave Gentiles who have not turned to Jesus yet in their time of grace? Who will be hardened then? Who will be only a remnant then? That alone should motivate us to share the gospel now. Paul sums up the revelation of the mystery in verses 30 and 31 again. For as you were once disobedient to God speaking of us Gentiles, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. What's that? What that is saying is that we Gentiles have obtained the mercy of God through Israel's disobedience, and they have received the same mercy because he gave it to us. That was God's plan. As Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, thank you, Lord, for, for this great opportunity that we had to enter your kingdom. Lord, we do pray for your people, Israel, that their eyes would be open. But Lord, Lord, we pray for our own people too. Lord, as time is running out, help them, Lord, to recognize this grace and help us to preach it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.